Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book. I'm a registered dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Brittany Lynn, a registered dietitian who has a passion for nutrition counseling as an OBGYN clinic dietitian. Brittany and I were introduced through a previous podcast guest, Stephanie Dorfman. She's number 134, and I'm so thrilled she connected us. Brittany has had a great career path so far. As a self-proclaimed science nerd, which I thought was great, she started specializing in a care facility as her first career, knowing her draw to clinical nutrition, and then finding her passion for outpatient care, diabetes, gestational diabetes, and starting her own private practice, specializing in an intuitive eating approach. So please enjoy my conversation with Brittany. To finally connect you, connect with you. We've had some technical difficulties, <laughs> difficulties, but we figured it out. And I'm also, I'm so glad Stephanie introduced us um, just via email. And I know nothing about you, so I'm excited to get to know you today. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about all the things. <laughs> well, why I usually get started. Why don't you tell um, me and my audience just kind of where you kind of came across dietetics as your passion and. How did that all start for you? So I, when I was deciding a major in college, I kind of fell into nutrition because I always wanted to do something in the science world. Both my parents are in the medical field and I knew I didn't want to be a doctor because honestly, I told myself, I don't want to touch anybody. I don't want to have to <laughs> you know, do any type of procedure or anything like that. It's too much pressure, but I wanted mm -hmm. to help people medically in some way. And I was always really enamored by food in general, like how, you know, nutrients work and what happens when you, um, digest something. And so it was honestly pretty easy for me to decide to be a dietitian. And pretty much I was searching online for job titles and it, it came up right away. Interesting. So you actually just kind of did like a Google search, basically, that you were like nutrition, medical health. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even know that there was actually a job title for it until I did a very easy Google search. And then mm -hmm. luckily for me, I, I went right into nutrition as a major when I started at, at school. So I didn't, you know, start general admission. I, I started right in the major. Your school luckily had that major yes. too. So that's great. Sometimes yes. that doesn't always work out. <laughs> I know. I made sure. So I started searching for schools that had it um, because I knew that's what I wanted. And I've been on a pretty straight path with that. Very good. Where did you go to school at? So I went to the University of Massachusetts Amherst for two years. And then I went to the University of Delaware for two years. And that's where I finished. Okay. So are you from Massachusetts then? So I'm actually from Pennsylvania. So I, okay. you know, I started off really far away. I wanted to be, you know, in New England area and do my whole college experience up there. And then it got to be eight to 12 hour trips, depending on weather yeah. to get home. And it was great. You know, I would go up to visit, but I needed something closer and Delaware, I, I loved it. And so I started looking into that school and I got, I got into the program there and it transferred over pretty, pretty easily. 
And so then Delaware was, was my place. Very good. And then where did you do your internship? My, I've been all over the place. So my internship I did at Long Island University Post, so LIU Post. And so I've lived in Massachusetts, Delaware, Pennsylvania, Long Island. Now I'm living in New York City, but I loved <laughs> LIU Post. <laughs> did you? Well, you're definitely an East Coast girl for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, well, yes and no. I would love to live in California or something like that. I think that's more my vibe. But But yes. That's where I'm comfortable. Yeah, for now. Right now. There's lots of time in the future to head that direction, too. Definitely. (laughs) So after your internship, did you like your internship? I loved it. It was an amazing program. Maybe describe your program a little bit, just for anyone that's maybe an RDW or looking at internship programs. What was kind of your focus? So it's kind of actually a funny story. I um, didn't really know about the dietetic internship until later on in my college career for some reason i didn't realize it was that big of a deal and then i sat down with my parents and i pretty much said you know i I have to go to another year of school pretty much the way you know it kind of evens out that way financially and the work-wise i was like i have to apply and potentially move somewhere and do this and all three of us my, my parents and myself were just like oh you know, it was kind of a shock to us. So I actually sat down with every single internship program and I had a big binder. I printed them all out and I, <laughs> I calculated the likelihood of me getting into each program that I was interested in, um, based on state and based on my GPA. And I applied based on like statistical analysis. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> so based on my analysis, which it was like, they were all very similar and, and still it's not, an, it's not really always a numbers game. They want to they interview you and they see your volunteer work and what you've done. Um, but LIU was one of my top schools that I was looking into because I liked that they had a clinical um, focus. And there was also times where you would meet as a group. So you would all spread out and go to your different rotations. But then we would have grad classes together and it was a great group and they made sure that everyone made friends and actually that's where I met Stephanie and now she's going to be a bridesmaid at my wedding so so yeah great well I think and I you're so right about that like you do if you have that opportunity to be connected with some interns you do kind of make lifelong friends that way exactly and we still have a group on Facebook and we'll connect job wise and that type of thing um and yeah I I really i highly recommend the LIU post internship. You also have chances to take extra grad classes um, at the school if you want to get your master's, which soon everyone will need it. So it's a great place to do that. I can't believe you sat and did all that research. That had to take you some time. It did. It did. And I wasn't working. So, you know, it's right out of school sure. and, and I was like, well, I, I don't even know how else to choose. I, I knew I took out states I didn't want to be at or, sure. you know, programs I, I definitely didn't want. I know I wanted clinical. So I took all the clinical based ones. Um, and yeah, I did it by GPA and amount of people they accept. <laughs> Huh. Well, if anybody wants to know Brittany's system, reach out to her. <laughs> I don't even know if it was right. <laughs> uh, 
I think, well, and I think maybe like you're not knowing about the internship, maybe like less stressed you out during your undergrad, because I think a lot of interns and di- or dietitian students, it's like they start and they're like, oh my God, I have to do all these things for my internship in four years. Exactly. And maybe that was better for you. I think it was. I knew I had to get in some shadowing and uh, volunteer stuff, which I ended up doing towards the tail end of my my career in, at school. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, made it, I made it work. And yeah. I really would just recommend looking at programs that you like and then ch- just double checking on the GPA to make sure, you know, you'll be able to sometimes they take a look at that. Uh, other than that, you don't need to do any math. <laughs> <laughs> Not as intense as you Don't did. do what I did. It, it wasn't worth it. I still got in where I wanted to. I, I don't even remember what the percentage chance I would have gotten in was. <laughs> So not that memorable, right? No. <laughs> so tell me, um, after internship, what what was kind of your first your first role or professional role? So my very first role was in Pennsylvania. Um, I worked at um, a place called um, the Woods Services, um, and they it's a community for kids and adults with mental and physical disabilities. So I worked with um, adults with traumatic brain injury. And then the population of kids I worked with had what's called Prader-Willi syndrome, which Mm -hmm. is a rare disease that affects, um, I believe it's the hypothalamus. And they have some autism. They're usually a bit shorter and their BMIs are, are quite high. Um, they also are very predisposed to having diabetes. So I worked a lot with them on behavioral and then also food, um, and where that combines. Um, and so they also have some, you can look it up. It's a very fascinating disease. They have difficulty managing their hot and cold sensors in their body and hunger and fullness cues. They don't have any uh, awareness of. So it's a place where they have to lock the kitchens and, and all that kind of thing. Um, wow. so it was a very intense first job, I would say. Um, actually, I, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, how do you, I, <laughs> I don't feel like I would have had any clue how to navigate that role. Just that's some very intense, like physical health conditions. Yeah. So I, I would have to say because of the internship, that I was in because of being at LIU post, I felt ready because you get to um, act as an RD towards the end of your, um, you know, towards the end of your rotation. So I felt ready, but the way that this particular place is set up, it's, it's, it's blueprint oriented. So you're kind of following the steps to be able to treat each type of, uh, client or resident, we would say. Um, and so it was nice to be able to have that and not have to go off on my own too much, but I wasn't actually at that job for too long before I went right into a hospital, which is what I wanted originally. Um, and so after that, I I started working in a hospital and that was, I, I consider more of that my first job. Okay, because um, how long you did it for a few months? Was it yeah, first it was like job at the six, six or nine months, something like okay. that, like pretty short. Um, it, it it wasn't my ideal. It wasn't my ideal spot. It it would it's a um, 
nonprofit organization, a lot of volunteers, a lot of um, kitchen, uh, or how would you say food, food, food service stuff that we mm-hmm. had to do on top of okay. just the clinical work. So we would have to um, like close out the kitchen and manage some of the, the workers in the kitchen. And that just wasn't really where I wanted to be in that food mm-hmm. service world. So it was a little bit of both. Um, I just wanted to do clinical. Okay. You're kind of one of the first people that I've had on here that's like, I just wanted to do clinical because I, I know. think there's a lot of people that that's not what they want to do. And it's nice to hear that you're like, I really liked clinical. Oh, I loved it. I loved it because again, you know, I started my whole nutrition journey as a science nerd and I continue to be a science nerd. <laughs> and so clinical, I was just, I was so excited. Like when I got my first, I, I wore a, a lab jacket. I was so excited to wear it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get it personalized too? Oh, for yeah. With your name? Yeah, oh, yeah. When they put my name on it at work, I was so excited and nobody else cared. <laughs> you, you did it was important to yeah, you exactly <laughs> so where was this clinical role at for you so i was at aria jefferson um well it used to be just called aria but now it's aria jefferson hospital in pennsylvania and i worked as a dietitian on the floors there and throughout my time there i was covered well i covered icu i covered the cardiac unit And then mainly I worked with um, the oncology unit and the GI surgery unit. So I was doing some really awesome stuff there and it was, it was really fun. So talk to me about and talk to my guests about, because ICU, GI stuff, oncology, that is all very, it's very different. It's always different. It's always intense. Uh, You know, how do you navigate learning that type of stuff and being able to care for patients that way? And still stay, you know, with all those different things going on and still stay focused and make sure that you're helping everyone appropriately. Yeah. So I found it really helpful and I'm sure inpatient dietitians and even uh, uh, interns at this point have your binder, you know, that you carry around if you're an inpatient Mm -hmm. dietitian. That was the most helpful thing for me. I would you know, make it super organized. I made my own template. Like I made my own, uh, work. It was almost like doing a school, like a study guide. And I would have that with me. And so I knew if I was seeing this type of patient, if they had this, I would, you know, this is what I would recommend. And that's how I kind of started. And I actually made myself a paper, kind of like a script of what to say. (laughs) If you can't tell I'm a type A personality, Um, (laughs) but I made myself a script of what to say so I didn't forget anything when I was interviewing the patient, when I would go into their room. And I mean, obviously, you know, I only needed it for a month or two, but it was really helpful. And I didn't have to feel stressed because I knew I would get all the information I needed. Um, and I could do all the work that needed to be done. That's a great idea. I had a, like a little notebook thing that I kind of did too, because I did some oncology and I was, and it was like a crazy surgery type of surgery, but I was like, I'm going to forget all this stuff. So I'm writing it all down. So we think alike that way. Exactly. Did you like the did you like the ICU? Did it ever and like oncology and GI stuff, did it ever scare you? Like was there anything that you didn't feel like you could handle? I guess in the beginning I felt very uncomfortable going into the ICU. I mean, a lot of those patients are intubated, so you're mostly trying to 
find a nurse or a doctor or a family member trying to get the information. Um, so that that's pretty scary um, at first. And then I guess it's just over time you, you get used to it. One of the scarier things I'd say, no matter what unit I was working on for me was speaking to doctors, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anyone who's working in clinical or even as a dietitian, uh, or, I'm sorry, as a dietetic intern, it can be kind of intimidating. It might just be me, but that no, was something like, and, and they have the most information obviously to give you a lot of times it takes a little bit of practice to start you know, talking to doctors, but I made sure I knew exactly what I was going to say before I asked them a question, especially in the ICU and the running around. Um, but you know, that, I would say that was even more difficult than the treatment of the patient. Once I learned our, our facility standards, cause most, um, most hospitals have their standards of care. So, you know, based on this, that, or the other, what you're supposed to do nutrition prescription wise. Sure. Sure. I agree with you about the doctors. Yes. Did they, as you got into it, did you find that it was, they respected you more because you did talk to them? Did you create a great rapport with them? Yeah. So back then, and even now I work in, I've worked in teaching hospitals. So there's always residents coming in and out and I've learned, um, you know, that as long as you ask a question with confidence, Doctors have almost zero nutrition training as Mm. of, you know, as of now, I'm sure it's becoming more pertinent as nutrition is becoming more of a big deal in the health world. Um, But they like to pretend that they know sometimes um, (laughs) and you're allowed to question them and, you know, get whatever information you need, no matter how they may be acting. (laughs) Yeah. There's but always clear, some strong personalities in yes. those situations. <laughs> clear and concise questions when you're talking to a doctor, especially one with a strong personality, is my best advice for that. <laughs> <laughs> I like I like that advice. <laughs> so how long did you work in um the the clinical role? So I worked at Aria in just the inpatient world for I believe it was about one and a half to two years. And then an outpatient role at the same hospital opened up. So that was my first um, real, you know, technical title of an outpatient dietitian. And so what I did was I worked, excuse me, three days a week um, in the outpatient role. And then two days a week, I was inpatient at ARIA. And so for outpatient, I saw mostly diabetics. I helped teach diabetic classes and I found my, you know, love and passion for treating people with diabetes. Um, and so I started to log my CDE hours there. Um, and so I taught classes, I counseled on, you know, various things, weight loss, even some pediatrics, renal disease, um, all over the place for the outpatient. Um, and so I was doing that for, for a while, actually. That's an interest. I, did you like the variety of having the outpatient and the inpatient or did that get stressful? I liked it because you got to change up your pace. Um, so a lot of the acute care stuff like the inpatient is very, you know, calculation based. You don't need to talk to anyone for too long. You kind of like put in your, your calculations, you, you know, get all the things done that you need to do and then you're done for the day. Whereas counseling is more, 
you put your heart into, well, you put your heart into everything, but you know what I mean? When you're having a conversation with someone and when they're coming back to you for, for visits, you're more involved in their life in that way. So it's more conversation based. It's more using your counseling skills and, and all of those things, um, then actually like giving someone a calculation, um, to make them, you know, get the proper tube feed or something like that. Yeah. Yes. So did you ever, when you, before you started your outpatient counseling, you really did, did you have diabetes kind of on your radar or were you really not, that wasn't something you were thinking about? That was actually something I was thinking about. I, you know, I was always interested in it, but I wasn't sure how, how that would work out in my career. One of Mm -hmm. the best pieces of advice I ever got was, I think it was from my mom, honestly. And she said like, there could be jobs out there that you don't even know exist yet. So, you know, don't close yourself off to anything. And so throughout my whole dietetic internship, and even in the earlier part of my career, I didn't say, Oh, I I want to do this only, you know, I was always open to seeing what else is out there because there are jobs that dietitians have that, you didn't even know are an actual job. You didn't even know they existed when you were, you know, in college or in your dietetic internship. Actually, the job I have right now is probably <laughs> that job. <laughs> that you didn't even know existed. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was that, was this, is your current job the next job you had then, or is there something else in between? No, my current job is the next job. Um, okay. So, so yeah, I, I loved Ari. I was there for, for quite a while. Um, I did a lot of cool stuff there. Love, that's where I found my love of outpatient. So when I knew I was going to move to New York with my now fiance, mm-hmm. I, um, well, I didn't know he would be my fiance. I just was hoping. <laughs> <laughs> I hoped he would be my fiance. I knew maybe it'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> so we moved in together and he wanted me to come to New York. And at the time I was like, you know, this could be a really awesome change for me because I had been in Pennsylvania for a while. Um, and so I was looking for outpatient jobs and I didn't want to do clinical at all at that point. I only wanted to do outpatient because I loved it so much. And I think that that's um, the outpatient setting, like you said, those conversations and those connections and that you just get to know people. And I feel like, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like I'm a better dietitian when I have that relationship than just a one and done in a hospital. Exactly. And so as I became, I guess, more confident as a dietitian, I realized I wanted to help people outside of the hospital to prevent them from coming into the hospital. Mm -hmm. So seeing both sides of things, I realized preventative care is really the direction I want to go. Seeing how things work, um, you know, in the hospital in terms of billing or insurance kind of jaded me a little bit, I guess. And so I wanted to be on the preventative side of things to teach people about different diseases, or even if they're in the early stages to help them to live a healthy life and a happy life and not have to be those people that I was treating in the hospital. Amen to that. Yes. I, I feel the same, 100% the same <laughs> as you do. That was kind of my clinical transition into outpatient too. So I can very much relate with that. Yeah. So when you were navigating moving to New York, how did what what came up or how did you kind of look for jobs and, and what kind of things did you kind of search for on that quest for that outpatient preventative site? 
So I knew that I had, I, I, I liked my job at Aria, so I wasn't super rushed. Um, but I started pretty early and I was like, okay, I have a couple of months. I can wait and see what's going to happen. I came across a, a company that does diabetes prevention counseling. Um, it was a startup company, which I really thought that I was going to get that job. And then it turns out because they were a startup, they weren't really hiring. So that kind of took about a month out of my, my search. And then, and then December came around and, and holidays and, you know, it's really never, no one's really hiring around those times. Um, (laughs) so then December came and then in January, or maybe I, I didn't even really try January. And then so February, March, April, I was looking. And so for outpatient takes a little while, um, for those jobs to pop up. And I knew that. So I kind of made sure I had the time to wait. Um, but what I also did was I contacted some of the head dietitians from different hospitals in the area just to start getting some connections and just to Mm -hmm. start having conversations with them so that they knew who I was. And I got that advice from my fiance who is in the business world. And he's like, it's who it's sometimes it's who, you know, or at least so that they can recognize your name, especially in New York. Um, just emailing some of the heads of departments of nutrition departments, um, and give them your resume, even if there's no job posted just so that they have you in mind. That's good advice. Um, That's yeah, really good advice. Yeah. And so I was like, I, I guess I could do that. And so for <laughs> me, working in this inpatient and, and outpatient world for a little bit, the language for me to write even a cover letter was so difficult to understand. So I'm lucky I had my fiance or at the time boyfriend at the time um, to, you know, help me navigate the business side of, of trying to get in, you know, in a New York competitive market. Right. Right. And and so I, I actually applied for, uh, in the summer, I applied for two jobs. I applied for a bariatric outpatient job at a a big hospital in New York. And I applied for an OBGYN dietitian, um, at a big hospital in New York, um, at the same hospital actually. And so both of them, I, I got interviewed. I would literally just drive in one day, go interview and then drive back to Pennsylvania. Um, and I ended up getting the OBGYN job and that's where I am now. Inter- I didn't even know that there was OBGYN. <laughs> exactly. <by a> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> And so I didn't either. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, did you even know that what was kind of the job? What kind of drew you to that job? What was it about that job? Well, it was, so I was at this point pretty much just saying, you know, I'm going to move to New York. Let me get a job. I want it to be outpatient. It doesn't have to be my forever home. Um, You know, let me just get in there. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I, I found this job and it was really interesting because what I do, well, what I do now is I work with um, lower income women. So they're all on Medicare or Medicaid. And I counsel all the pregnant women in this clinic. And I also work with the gestational diabetics. So I got my diabetes stuff in there. Um, I got my counseling. And so it seemed to be the perfect fit. Um, and I love it. That's where I am now, actually. That sounds so. All is is I was assume your day is packed. 
Do you have my days really packed? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So basically, do you have appointments all day while you're there? So a lot of the times it's interesting. So it's a clinic, um, which means they have the doctors there. They have their sonograms there. They have their lab work there. They have nurses there and they have me social work. So my schedule is packed, but the times that people come see me are a little bit scattered depending on how long their other appointments might run. Um, so it's, it's busy, but I love it. And for me, like to be quite honest, growing up and living in Pennsylvania for a while and then moving to New York and not just moving to New York, but working with women who, you know, are on Medicaid and living in the mm-hmm. Bronx and Harlem and, you know, all over the place, it was a big eye opener for me. And I got to connect with people who I, probably wouldn't have if I didn't take this job and I didn't move. That's that I think that's kind of like uh I don't know, it's like one of those career paths that you kind of intersect with that you would have never like you said, you never would have done it. You never would have had that opportunity. Exactly. But now you're realizing, holy crap, this is like a really big passion of mine. Do you feel that way? I do. And so I'm actually getting my master's right now, I'm an online master's of science in community nutrition. So I'm actually learning about all of the government policies and all of the different types of federal you know, help that people are getting for their nutrition. And so I'm learning it and I'm seeing it every day. And that's a whole other animal that I know. Yeah. I don't know anything about. Which I, I didn't think either. Great that you're educating yourself about it because like, you're right. That whole dynamic of Medicare, Medicaid, low income, nutrition education and nutrition counseling is not something that's readily available for them. And exactly. I think that's awesome. Your clinic has hired you to provide that. Right. So actually it's a request. So when I first started working there, I actually was reading the laws of Medicaid and OBGYN um, care. And it's actually required that they get nutrition counseling if you're on Medicaid and you're pregnant. Well, that's awesome. See, I yeah. didn't know that. That's yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> so it totally makes sense for them to have you in clinic to provide that right there on the spot. Exactly. Exactly. And especially, I mean, my day to day is I'll see you know, some general OB patients, maybe a GYN patient here or there, if they have maybe PCOS or they want to lose weight um, for, for whatever reason they want to try to get pregnant. Um, But my, the bulk of my clients are gestational diabetics. And so navigating Mm -hmm. a gestational diabetes diagnosis with testing your blood sugars, being on food stamps, getting WIC, um, you know, living, in maybe not the best situation is what I deal with, with every day. And it's tough. (laughs) It's definitely a tough situation for people to be in. Do you, I'm sure, I'm sure these, you've made some amazing connections with some of these women though. I'm sure that they have found you to be a fantastic resource for them. Yeah. And I think at first, you know, no matter what position you're in, when you hear that you have to go see a dietitian, your yeah. eyes are probably rolling and you're like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to talk to her. <laughs> exactly. And so, um, so yeah, once I actually sit down with the patients, I always try to get them laughing, try to keep it light and, you know, see where they're at, what they're eating, what they're able to eat, what they're able to have access to. Um, mm-hmm. And then I just go from there, you know, whatever's going to work with their lifestyle 
not what I think that they should do, but what's actually going to work for them. Well, I'm sure like food access and food food insecurity and those kind of situations pop up with your your job as well. Yeah, I mean, some of my my clients are in homeless shelters. Some of them don't even have like a working stove. So we work around it. Um, it's possible. It's not the easiest, but you know, in New York, depending on where they live, we make it work. Do you help? Like, if someone says, you know, I I don't have access to food. Like, do you ever come up with? ways to help them with that? Or is that kind of a whole nother different like social work? Yeah. So we are connected with a WIC office, so we can always give them that. And if it's, you know, if it's a, a real, you know, housing issue, then I refer them straight to the social work team. And they're literally awesome. across the hall. <laughs> yeah, like that, I love that. I think that's yeah. so amazing that you can just be like, oh, I know someone that can help you. And they're right here. <laughs> literally. Yeah. And also a lot of times when I speak to women, depending on how the conversation goes, mental health stuff does come up. And Mm -hmm. so I've been, you know, I guess one of the dietitians, few, I guess few dietitians that they've had that actually like brings them straight to social work because I mean, I know the connection all too well, um, you know, of, you know, food and emotions and all of that. And I make sure that they get the help they need. And sometimes it's nutrition, but a lot of times it's mental health. Which we all know very, as yes. you know, exactly. we know that is a huge component of our nutrition health and our, exactly. Our yeah. Do you have any, um, like culture, was it learning different cultures and, you know, types of food that people consume? I mean, how is that, was that kind of challenging for you? Yeah. So it took me a little while, um, to kind of get, you know, what different cultures eat, especially for example, some Indian cultures, they'll eat rice and then they'll eat a big piece of, I'm probably going to say it wrong, but roti bread um, with it. And so if they're gestational diabetic, I have to see how big did they make the bread? How much rice are they having? Like, what are they Mm -hmm. eating it with? And a lot of times we have, so we'll have um, Indian, African, um, and then, you know, everything in between Mexican, Spanish, all over the place. And so a lot of that is like a rice and a a pita or a tortilla or, you know, something like that. And I'm kind of learning how much people serve themselves based on their culture and also what they eat different things with and what's normal. And, you know, sometimes people have a big Sunday dinner or a big party based on cultural, you know, this or that. And so it's definitely been, um, definitely been a learning experience and I'm still learning about it. Um, I never assume like what someone might, might eat, but you know, it's, it's a good learning experience. <laughs> I'm sure it's been eye opening, just all the different things that you've been exposed to with your customer, with your clients and just even working in that clinic as well. Yeah, completely eye-opening. And even just, I mean, as if living in New York wasn't enough, um, (laughs) you know, and even just my coworkers, I learned so much from them because they're all different ethnicities and have, you know, different um, cultural tendencies and things that they do and foods that they cook and, and all kinds of stuff. So we have parties at the office sometimes for different holidays and birthdays and stuff, and everyone's cooking different different things and it's really it's really cool yeah 
fun. That's really fun. It sounds like you all get along very well. You all work together really well. Yeah, we we try to work as a team. Um, We kind of have to because of the way it's set up. Like it's not just ever one appointment. They're always going around and we want to know the women, you know, their whole story. We don't just want, we don't just care if, you know, they have diabetes. We care if their sonogram looked okay, if they're, you know, emotionally stable, if they're being compliant and, and that kind of, that kind of stuff. So we always try to make sure to, to stay as a team. Sure. How do you um, choose like continuing education and, you know, things that you want to keep furthering your education on specifically with this, with this population? So I do a lot of um, diabetes continuing education, um, but recently I I've started actually my own private practice on the side oh, <laughs> as God. if I wasn't doing you. So I started a private practice on the side. Um, I do virtual counseling, um, and I do a lot now of mindful eating and intuitive eating research and continuing education because. From what I found in my in my career and in working with people is that's really the best way to get people to make lifestyle changes and to teach them how to trust themselves. And I'm one of those anti diet dietitians, mm-hmm. um, so I like to you know do research on that so that I can talk to people about why it works and how it works. Um, and I know a lot of the research is pretty new, um, but you know as if someone was talking to another person about a certain diet, they'd have research to back it up. And so I like looking at the most recent stuff on mindful eating, intuitive eating, that kind of thing. Um, so that I can talk to my clients about that. Well, you are a science nerd, so very important, which is (laughs) good. (laughs) I'm in my research class right now, actually. So I'm learning all the ins and outs of the statistics. Yeah, but you are loving that because that's... Uh, <laughs> after you did that class. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a point. I like to read it. I don't necessarily need to do it. Right, um, right. But yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was, well, it's kind of just a good segue into kind of what you see in the future for yourself. So it sounds like private practice might be where you're kind of headed or do you see yourself staying at the clinic and doing both? What, is, what does that kind of look like for you? So... So my private practice is kind of my, my baby right now. It's called Be Lynn Nutrition. And I started it over the summer, but I did a lot of prep work, you know, starting an LLC and doing all that, you know, background stuff, stuff, making sure mm-hmm. I was licensed correctly. Um, and so I started Be Lynn Nutrition, I would say, honestly, July, somewhere around there. And in the future, I really hope that that can be like my main my main thing. Um, I am going to stay at the clinic for a little bit, probably maybe moving uh, eventually out of New York City. And that's where I probably leave the clinic. But ideally, my my ideal life is to to run Beelin Nutrition and to see clients virtually through this platform and to just help people counseling-wise and outpatient- outpatient wise, um, preventative medicine, diabetes, all that kind of stuff. But on my own, you know, on on my own way, (laughs) my own own way. (laughs) And, um, 
yeah, it would be doing that. And then I love spin classes. <laughs> so I'm training to be a spin instructor. Uh, so oh, I also no. do that. <laughs> I love spin classes too. I think I they're them. amazing. Like they're kind of addicting. So I think that's exactly. great that you're doing that too. Okay. Yeah. I really have to say, I think you have a lot. I think you're getting married. You're getting your master's. You're starting your own private practice. You're working a I think you're kind of like all over the place. I'm at capacity. You are at capacity. I'm at capacity. Oh my gosh. And to rest and relax and to be a good fiance. Yeah. I have to. Yeah. But it's all exciting. And, you know, when it's stuff that you want to do, it doesn't, you know, take from you. It gives to you. So it gives you energy. Um, and yeah, all these things I, I like to do. So I'm enjoying it, but I don't think I could add another thing. <laughs> when do you get married? Next September, uh, September of 2020. Okay. I was like, oh my gosh, I hope she's kind of like spacing that out a little bit too. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And luckily my mom is my wedding planner. By oh, accident. Well, not by accident, but she just decided. <laughs> she said, you know, take some stuff off your plate. <laughs> exactly. So I'm lucky for that. Well, I, I, I think you're gonna, I think for all your outpatient experience, you've done so many different things and you've educated yourself and you've specialized and you've, you just really, I think you'd be a fantastic person to do private practice and do virtual counseling. Cause I feel like you could do any, any type of disease state or any type of health condition as in a virtual practice because you've had so much exposure. Yeah. And so it was actually kind of hard to find my niche market. You know, I was told you have to like narrow it down. And I was like, but I like, you know, I like all these things and I can do all these things because I've done them. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm working on that narrowing down, but I can see a wider range, a wide array of, of people. <laughs> maybe you'll have maybe you'll have your specialties, but you'll be like and open to other health. Yeah, conditions. that's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> yes, and I've learned that you kind of have to because you can't you can't market to everybody. And, and and I don't think I don't feel like you want to turn people away either, especially if you really you know like say you did have someone that had a GI you know disorder and you really could help them with your past experience. You're not gonna be like, oh no, I can't help you. Yeah, exactly. I really just specialize in this. <laughs> you maybe yeah. won't advertise it as a primary thing, but you but it's know, definitely it's in the list of can do's because you have that experience. So exactly, I yeah. think that's a great thing too. Mm -hmm. Well, I I think I am so I, not knowing anything about you. I you're very inspiring, and just all the things you have going on, and well, thank just you. all the work that you have put into just educating yourself and having those experiences, and working in a variety of places, and taking the leap and moving to a new city and trying something different. That's not easy. No, it is not. <laughs> I would say the hardest part of moving to New York is for me, and probably I don't even know for anybody else, was the subway system. Um, I was deathly afraid of like going somewhere, you know, off the beaten path, even though all you have to do is come back the other way. <laughs> but that was my biggest anxiety from moving. Honestly, not the work, not the new job, not living with my fiance. It was the subway. <laughs> I would, I think it, that would make me crazy too. I mean, coming from not any, like there's no really public transportation where I'm from. So, I mean, there's a bus, but that's easy. Right. I would be totally scared too. I'd be scared. I'd get lost. And yeah. I was so afraid. <laughs> but then I realized <laughs> it's literally just up and down or over. 
That's it. <laughs> all you need to know. <laughs> That's really all you need to know. That's the secret. <laughs> well, on to my hard questions. I yes. think I asked you enough of those. Um, why don't you share with me some of the foods that you enjoy? So my ultimate favorite food is really boring and very dietitian-y, but I've always been addicted to carrots. Really? I, I can eat them with everything. They're my favorite food. You can ask anyone. Um, that's my, like, addi- I'm addicted to carrots. Um, so but, <laughs> but my other, like, favorite food that I don't eat every day, but I'm obsessed with soft pretzels. Love, oh. so- like, a good soft pretzel. Yeah. Oh, I'd be with you on that. Yes. Have you ever had peanut butter and carrots? Do you ever eat those oh, yeah. things together? Uh, I, I, I do. That. I actually do sun butter and carrots. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So good. I used to do that it in college good. all the time. And now it's my like afternoon after work snack. I like it. My mom used to feed us that for a snack after school. And everybody thought we were weird. I'm like, it's so It's so good. Oh, I'm so glad <laughs> that you do that too. Because no one else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one really does that. It's so good. Yeah. Um, share with me some beverages that you enjoy. Um, so my ultimate beverages, I'm, sh- I'm sure everyone on your podcast says this coffee. I love mm-hmm. coffee, love coffee. Um, I try to only drink, like I'll drink it throughout the day. So I try not to have too much, like I'll drink one, you know, 16 ounce or whatever throughout the day. Um, mm-hmm. but just ice, ice water, like yeah. ice cold water. Some people like, my my fiance hates ice water, but just when it's really? nice and cold, I just I think it's because when my when I was younger, whenever I was upset, my mom always just used to say, "Do you want a cold drink?" And it's just like it's comforting, <laughs> like a cold drink, like it's such a nice thing to have. <laughs> that's sweet. That's a sweet memory, and it probably is a comfort for you because that's how she. Kind of comforted you down yeah. or calmed you down. Exactly. Aww. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> uh, what scents do you enjoy? Scents or smells? So I, I know I keep mentioning my fiance too. Um, so we What's actually, his name, by the way, his name Let's is Ben. Name. His name is okay. Ben. Um, so ben, so, we'll just call him Ben now. <laughs> yeah. So Ben and I met at overnight camp when we were 12 and then we reconnected when we were older but there was a smell from camp and it was in the morning so in the morning in the woods and it was just the most calming like summer morning at camp Mm. was just the best smell and sometimes I'll be I mean not in New York but sometimes I'll be (laughs) walking maybe when I'm visiting at home or we have a place um in the mountains that we sometimes go to and that morning woodsy summer smell is my favorite Mm -hmm. and probably maybe because that's when you met Ben too (laughs) <laughs> yes, but it was my favorite before Ben, before unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> but but just was to a give, connection to set the scene. But now he understands that smell too. I'll be like, it smells Aww. like camp. He'll be like, yeah, it does. I got it. He's like, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have favorite colors or a color? So my favorite color is aqua blue, actually. Um, is that what yeah. your monogram is on was on your yeah. clinical was it <laughs> yeah yeah so it's aqua blue and a little bit of green but I had to put it I somewhere like it. I was like it's not yeah. super aesthetically pleasing like if you're you know it's hard to work with sometimes but I had to put it sure. somewhere so I put it on my Bela nutrition logo I like it you should you should always incorporate a little splash that's why I always ask that question because I think that says a lot about your personality of 
where you put like in your logo or your branding or yeah yeah it does make sense so <laughs> yeah that's where it is <laughs> and what brings you joy in life Brittany so what brings me joy in life is being able to help people to feel happy in general and help people to feel in control and trusting of themselves um that's you know i in the career world that's what makes me feel good in my personal life it's being able to just be in the moment which is very hard um mm -hmm. but being able to be with ben be in the moment enjoying the little things in life and reading in bed always brings me joy oh i love it yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think with all the stuff you have going on, you're appreciating the small things like reading in bed and just finding being present in every day is, exactly. is important. It's so really hard. Out. Yeah, it's really yeah. hard when you have a lot going on. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, that really does bring me joy. Aw. Well, I've thoroughly, talking to you has brought me joy today. So Good. it's great to talk to you and getting to know you. And I look forward to following your journey and seeing where things take you and, um, I wish you the best. I hope we get to meet in person so someday. Yeah. I think so highly of Brittany and the work she has done so far in the inpatient and outpatient space. It's tough to kind of bounce between the two, but it, she is doing an amazing job. She has had some great experiences and she's given some great, great advice about being in the clinical setting. And I appreciate the light she shed on being open to different jobs because you never know about a job because they might not even exist yet or you might not even know they exist. So always be open because it could be your next passion. Make sure to head over to the show notes and connect with Brittany on her website, Instagram, and LinkedIn. My website, AnnaElizabethRD.com, is where you can read my latest Embrace the Hell Yeah blog post, as well as all my previous podcast guests, show notes, and links to things we talked about during all my conversations with these great nutrition experts. My book is also available for purchase on my website, and I hope we can connect more on social media by finding me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest at AnnaElizabethRD. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.